Hello everyone, welcome to today's session of Coffee and Careers where we dive into people's career journeys and understand who they've become. Today I'm lucky enough to have Laurie Bertman um, at, at our session. Laurie, welcome. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today, Laurie? I'm great. Yeah, you're looking, looking forward to the weekend? Yes, um, I'm celebrating a birthday today, so it's going to be a fun weekend. So, I'm oh, happy birthday, Laurie! And um, I'm not dumb enough to ask you your age or anything like that. So, um, I just wish you a, a great Friday and a wonderful weekend. Um, Thank you. Um, I understand it's been an eventful week for you this week, but we'll come back to that a little later. But before we uh, dive into some details, why, why don't you give the audience a, a bit of a brief description of your role and and, and what you focus on? Sure. Yeah, um, yeah uh, of course. Um, right. My day job is I am the CEO of the Irene W. and C.B. Pennington Foundation, which is a fa family foundation um, in Louisiana. It's the largest family foundation here. And we generally do all types of philanthropy from human services, health, climate, justice, all, all of it. Um, and then we have, um, and then after I had sort of a change in terms of my focus after Hurricane Katrina back in 2005, which hit New Orleans. And after that, I saw a need for to start another organization um, called the Center for Disaster Philanthropy, which focuses with funders, helping funders give more strategically throughout the life cycle of disasters. And so I have been their founder and board chair for 10 years and just stopped, uh, stepped off their board to become emeritus um, this year. So, um, so I, I work mainly in philanthropy, but my background is social work. Um, and so it's been quite a journey. Wow, the ten years! I imagine you've seen a lot of uh, natural disasters and crises. Oh, many and pretty very much globally and domestically, um, and then really we're in a position to really help with the pandemic, which was excellent. And so, um, does the foundation and the uh, CDP? Um, are they focused on a particular region uh, or, or is it across the world or across the U.S.? They are global. Um, when we started and we um, knew each other back then, we we actually uh, got our teeth kind of cut on Hurricane Sandy and Hurricane Isaac back then. And so it gave us a domestic focus. But we really plan to be both global and domestic. And we have now really... Um, create a portfolio that um, reflects that. And beyond uh, the fact that you live in an area which is prone to these type of uh, <laughs> um, weather phenomena, um, what made you get into this? Well, I, you know, I had to respond, you know, when Hurricane, when the levees broke, I knew immediately, just intuitively, that there, I just had to leave. I looked at my husband and my two children and I said, you know, I feel like the community needs needs me this time, and I've always felt like a macro social worker, macro change person, and so I immediately understood, you know, there was going to be collective trauma. There was going to be a big problem here, and um, so I went um, and gathered a group of funders, 
And we immediately started working and then worked together for two years all together. I never went back to my office. Like I worked in <laughs> the Baton Rouge Area Foundation. We all worked together and we raised a $40 million to 60, almost $60 million fund. Um, and then it was through that journey, I took people from all over the world through New Orleans. And it was through that journey that I learned every aspect of the cycle of the disaster and really, you know, thought to myself, you know, funders, there needs to be a 365 day organization that is just specializing to help funders make strategic and equitable decisions that not just focus on relief and when the headlines go away, but also uh, mid to uh, long term recovery and, and preparedness. You, you raise a really good point. Like all we see is probably the tip of the iceberg, don't we? On the news, we don't see all the mechanics and the challenges in the background. When you when you got into this field, what surprised you the most? Um, I mean, I think you know what, what surprised me about this field. I mean, first of all, I think that people are very generous and they're very just reactive. Um, but their attention spans are very reactive. So what we were just talking about, like people give to wherever they see on TV, there's no real thought process or thought provoke thoughts that really go into it. They're just happy to give. And I think from a social work perspective, because I have a clinical background, I think it's that need to help, but not really knowing where. So you give some money to the American Red Cross, you feel better. You go to the gym and you go on with your life, <laughs> but there's people suffering. So the surprise to me was the suffering and the length of the disaster cycle, how long it takes for a community to recover. And while we talk about resilience so much, I'm not saying communities aren't resilient, but it there's blue tarps on every community, even till this day that I worked with, you know years and years after, and it seems like we have would have learned some lessons, right? Um, so I just think that it does take long. And I think that that's something that I just understand that the life cycle does take long. And excuse me, my earpod fell. <laughs> but unfortunately, um, but what we can, but we, but what we need to do is also work to shorten that process because, you know, we need to get, get people out of crisis faster faster laurie i know you're really passionate about this topic how do you keep the energy for so long because I, I i suspect you hit you know stone walls once in a while you know it must be like herding cats you know at the same time as you yeah. said people have a, get amnesia like how, how do you keep up the momentum and the passion well i you know i haven't always i mean i I need to be honest that, you know, I had a vision for this and a vision is only as good as the people that you bring around you to help execute it. So I have great people that have worked around me to keep this going and you need extra people. And on a local level, just through my work with the Pennington Foundation, when there's a hurricane here, it's probably kind of the best collaboration we ever do as funders here when we should be collaborating much more when it's peacetime we won't even talk to each other half the time <laughs> so <laughs> yeah yeah it's, um, but it's hard it's, it's hard i've fallen out many times and then i just have to look and that's really why i created cdp because 
Right. It's tiring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got a whole team there now, ready to go. <laughs> Let's go back into your, your your background and history. Like you said, you have a um, clinical background, um, but yeah, you know, I'd be curious to understand just you know how you grew up, you know, your schooling, you know, how did your family inspire you? You know, what values did they drive? You know, did you want to share mm-hmm. a little on that agenda? Of course. Yeah. Um, well, I was really lucky. I had a kind of an extraordinary upbringing. My dad was a champion, a complete legend, champion, um, college baseball coach, literally the best in at what he does in the world. So it led me quickly to therapy. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, no, he, you know, so, I I got to watch from the stands. I never played sports, but I got to watch him really just inspire people and change people's lives through sports, but also win and really be, you know, his had a commitment to excellence. I took that in terms of what I could do and wanted to help people on the ground and and ended up getting a social work degree, but a macro social work degree. So while you have to have a clinical background you have to get a clinical background to get a macro degree i always wanted to start organization nonprofit organizations and and work in the nonprofit sector and um you know i started that and as i was uh doing that as a research associate i, I worked as a research associate um at the school of social work i wrote some papers on prevention programs and i put them on the shelf and i thought to myself those programs are going to sit on the shelf forever if I don't learn how to raise money. And that was my first aha moment. So what I did is I, and I, I feel like this is a very Gen Xer kind of quality. I went, I, I, I uh, so it gives you a little bit of my, my age. I'm very proud of being a Gen Xer. Um, yes. We, you know, what I found the three people that did, had fundraising consulting firms. And at night I just said, can I, can I follow you? No pay, nothing. And learned how to do feasibility studies and run capital campaigns and learned how to raise funds, which kind of makes you a triple threat. Like, you know, you can, you know, you can, if you know how to do programming, you know how to create programming. Um, And so once I did that donors, I've met donors, donors had good rapport with donors and then donors said, whom we trust her with our investments. I got to the other side of advising people on how to give right. money into the community. And yeah. then I took on the niche of disaster, as we discussed. Yeah. yeah. Now, it's fascinating because, yeah, you're, you're spot on. It's um, there's a certain craft to you know, raising funds. And and then, curiously, like what, what you mentioned around um, – advising people where to give funds right because there's so many charities there's so many foundations like mm-hmm. yeah where, where, where do you put that money so that, that's fascinating was there any anyone you came across during your career who you kind of you know we always see this with successful people they latch on to someone or a few people and you know they, they learn that craft and you know they're great mentors you know are there any individual or individuals that stick out for you yeah, you know, I really, I don't credit her enough, but a, a woman named Emily Stefano early in my career, she was the first woman that I that helped me learn how to raise funds. And then um, 
one eye and and she got me interestingly enough um involved in the junior league which i i would never do like that's something that's not me at all <laughs> um and i think you've met me like it doesn't fit my profile but i found that the the women in the junior league were amazing she wanted me in the junior league to run their first ever capital campaign so i went in as like a rookie in the junior league you don't do and um got in front of a thousand women and just started talking about raising money and every single one of them wanted to help which is actually a secret to raising money it's all about the women like people don't realize that really really they always talk to the husband. it's like talk to the women even and especially even southern women that's oh, it's a yeah. big secret um that it's the women making the decisions behind that um and 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 fundraisers make that mistake just as a side but emily got me into that and when i was actually doing a speech john davies from the baton rouge area foundation kind of found me and said oh wait i want to hire her and he and i have had a very i mean up and down and all around relationship father-daughter kind of relationship um and really i have probably learned so much from him both in terms of who i want to be how i want to do but who i don't also like you have to learn both things I, um and so yes he has fired me he has hired me he has <laughs> he's giving me a party next week i mean we have seen each other you know on our knees and i think it comes from being in the bunker during a time of of disaster and and real community strife it's it's you know i didn't want i when i graduated i went to umass amherst and I wanted to live with all of my best friends up in Westport, Connecticut. And I thought, what problems do they really have in Westport? I mean, I could go <laughs> and, and, and hang out and be a philanthropy advisor with wealthy people, but yeah. I really wanted to fix and, 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 and impact social change. And that's something I can do, we need to do here where there is impoverished people and there is uh, an inequity. Well, you, you get a lot of your fair share of disasters in Louisiana, don't you? We uh, do, like like three, yeah. right in the middle of a pandemic, sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. I know. Like You guys are so resilient, and it's amazing um, what, what you do. Um, yeah, that's a good segue, actually. Like Over the course of your career, um, is there anything that has tested your resolve? Uh, oh, about a million things. <laughs> we've probably um, got we've got, probably got time for one or two uh, yeah right right yeah right right i mean i think um first of all i think really taking care of myself mm -hmm. um during um disasters and believing you know not and 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 not taking care of myself and trying to take care of everyone else left me kind of like bucket <laughs> very full and not really you know, or, or empty, whichever way you wanted to look at it many times. And looking back, I would say, you know, I have to, you know, it's something I learned as I'm getting older is, you know, I have to be able to, to balance that. So I think it, it, that has been very tough. I think the death of my sister was something I'll never really recover from in life. And it's, it's helped me understand a true level of compassion for people who have had loss way above any other loss that I've experienced. So that, I mean, those are two, I mean, really big personal issues that, that literally did. And I was in a very bad car accident and we didn't think I would get through it. And I, 
I still push through that. So I've had, you know, they, I will say this, that they did a great hockey metaphor um, during, they said, you know, I think Lori likes ice hockey because it's graceful, but very hard and you have to be very tough and resilient. Um, but you can only win at really insurmountable odds to win the Stanley cup. And she has really won. And it was, it was such a beautiful kind of, but that's, yeah. So I've had many, um, things happen. Um, yeah, it's not been smooth sailing for Lori at all. <laughs> I know people usually, they see, um, I think when you and I were discussing this, you know, they, all they see is your best self. They don't see everything behind what made you your best self. Um, so I appreciate you sharing some of those challenges. Um, mm -hmm. It's quite, quite inspiring. Um, when you look back on your career, would you have done anything differently? It sounds like there's many turning points in your career, but um, mm. you know, when you look back and you, you think, oh, geez, I should have made a different decision here. Um, yeah, I mean, I think some of the personal decisions I've made, and we'll go into them, were probably <laughs> stupid. So, and they impacted my career because I gave my life to my career. So when you do uh, that, your personal yeah. and your professional intersect. Um, so I'm truthful about that. But I also think, um, you know, I think that I would really, I think that I used to really want to be loved and appreciated by everyone. And I really learned over the years that it's really, you want, you really want respect. It's not about being loved. Like, no, I'm not for everybody, but I, I, I would appreciate people's, you know, just respect. And that's something that, um, I've learned and, and, um, hmm. and I would have gotten out of, um, work situations or just like anything like contracts and things that we all think about much sooner, mm -hmm. just like we yeah. talk about relationships. Like I would have walked away sooner. Um, but then, you know, I was thinking just, you know, with CDP, I'm so glad I stuck it out. Right. It was not easy, but no startup is. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, like, did you have, um, I, I suspect you had people helping you when the CDP was set up. Um, who did yeah. you, who did you, who did you turn to when, when you did that? Well, I co-founded it with, um, uh, Regine Webster, who was from the Gates foundation and she handled, uh, the, the, the Gates, all their disaster, global humanitarian giving. Okay. And wow. she came in and then she is now their vice president. Um, and then Eric Kessler at Arabella, um, who was uh, very, we incubated at Arabella, which was a for private advisory firm. And he really, everyone really served their purpose in this 10 years. I mean, he got out early once he's a for profit guy. Once he realized this vision was not mm -hmm. as turnkey as he was hoping. <laughs> Regine stayed and was always been a paid character. And I chose to be um, the visionary, you know, leader pushing everyone along. Right. Um, and, and, you know, kind of for a long time, people said, if you walked away, this would die, you know? Um, and um, I finally am leaving on the time. I think it will, it's going to do just fine without me. And that's the best time to leave. So what are you going to do now, Laurie? <laughs> <laughs> well, I still have my day job. And as my uh, boss said, 
now get back. But I've always been able to. The Penningtons have been a supporter yeah. of CDP yeah. and understand that we understand now that all grant makers have to be disaster grant makers. So they they appreciated my knowledge because of their place-based givers, which means they give mostly locally. So they understand that they have it impacts their core mission, right? Because it impacts everyone we serve. So um so I still have that. Um I am working I I actually am doing something fun. I'm going to take a little bit of time to kind of chill, but I'm also going to um, work with the Hockey Hall of Fame and wow. the and I'm working with them on their um, fundraising strategy um, to and their endowment. Um, and it's really interesting that I am sitting across from owners of you know the teams and the Hall of Famers that I love and. You know, I'm, I'm really kind of cool about it because I say cool and I'm putting myself <laughs> in quotes here because, you know, I grew up in a celebrity family. Like, so I understand I'm not really freak, freak out about that. But um, and so I love spending time with my daughter. She's got, you know, I love that. And I'm looking forward to traveling again once, you know, now that pan- the pandemic's over. I miss traveling. Once we're free, I know we all we all miss traveling and going to our favorite destinations. Um, if you uh, wound the well, if you had a time machine um, and met your younger self, beyond the personal advice <laughs> that you would give them, uh, what would you say to them as they were embarking on their career? Um, I would say. You have to, I mean, honestly, I, w- I would say work hard, you know, be loyal, mm-hmm. um, you know, just, you know, I don't know that I would, you know, I, I would say go, you know, b- earn respect. Don't worry, you know, don't worry about people loving you at work. Like it's really yeah. about being respectful, um, respect yourself, you know, respect other women. Well, and this is, you know, I, I'm big on this now. I would tell anyone I mentor, you know, support women, support, you know, people, underserved folks. Um, I, you know, I would tell people like, you know, which I tell my interns, you know, if you want something, you have to show up, like you have to go get it and you can't worry. It's just one day at work. Like if things go bad, the next day is going to be really different. (laughs) Like, you know, every day is different. And um, it's just a day at work. And my dad kind of taught me that. Um, but I do believe that, you know, you can you can achieve things. I do think there are hurdles. I don't, I, I wouldn't tell people that, you know, anything that you believe you can go achieve. I think that's a little Pollyanna. I yeah. think it's like, you know, you know, you're going to do what you love and you're going to find some solace somewhere along the way. Um, and I think I would start there and that's where I started. And I feel like even with all the turns and craziness at the end of the day, I was true to that person. Yeah, no, it's great advice, Laurie. Um, I, I really like that, uh, especially that concept that there will always be hurdles, right? It's just how you deal with them and also dust yourself up, off and uh, mm-hmm. you know, start again the next day. Um, I'm going to ask you some um, left field questions now. This is where we go really deep into your psyche. <laughs> oh, I no, call, okay. <laughs> what I call the buzz around uh, okay. or, the, or the strange question around. Um, completely unrelated to your career. 
that maybe gives us a bit of an understanding of who you are. So uh, first question, who's your favorite superhero? Um, Aquaman. <laughs> is that because you, you watched it on during the week or is it because uh, he's just very handsome? I don't know why, but I, I actually, was, I, it should be a woman. I know all of that, but I, no, it's like ISIS or I, ISIS or Aquaman. Yeah. Those were like from kids. Ah, like, okay. I was a kid. That's, that's and I had such a fun tra- childhood. So those were the two I played with. All right. Great. Um, the strangest thing you've ever eaten? Um, brains, whatever. Um, yeah. Ooh. Oh, really? Yuck. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Brave you. Um, if you could or if you would want to trade lies with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? Oh, I would trade with Sidney Crosby um, oh, really? for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. I would want to know what it's like to be a major. I'm so in love with their built, their athleticism and skating. And yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I really admire it. Like, and I, I would love that agility and um, I, yeah, I, I, I really am going to go to the sports place that on that one. No, that's great. It's just a, such a premier athlete. It's crazy. What is your favorite movie quote? Um, oh God, let's see. Oh, there's so many um, movie quotes. Uh, oh, what's the quote? Uh, you're kidding me, Smalls. What's that? What's the? Um, I, I'm probably I'm probably not saying it right, but um, I can uh, ask you another question if you can. We can we can move on whilst you think about it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I forgot. I for, uh, yeah, I was thinking. I'm, I think you're too busy. Office. I think Laurie, you're too busy. You know, thinking uh, of Sidney Crosby. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if if you could, you, you like this one. If you could talk to President Biden, what would you talk about? Oh, uh, you know what? I would talk about <laughs> the death of his son. No, I would talk about his son. I would talk about. Uh, uh, I would yeah. talk about his grief. I met President Biden, and I would. Um, he's done a couple of speeches when he was vice president. Um, but I would talk about his uh, how he got through the grief of of losing a loss. That's honestly that's so morbid. But yes, that's what I talked about selfishly. Oh, it makes sense. I I, I can see why that that would be a, an interesting topic and also a very re- a relevant one. Um, okay, that, that were the questions I had. Um, just to get a bit of insight into you, um, you in return you get one question for me. Um, okay, so my, you know, Oz, ever since I've met you, I have found you to be such a positive person. I, <laughs> you know, I'm more, I, I think I'm, I'm coming off very positive, but I'm more cynical, sarcastic, you know, and I would, I, you're all, you've always been so positive and like kind of just everything about you. And so I want to know kind of how you keep, how you got and how do you keep that mindset? Oh, gee, that's a great question. Um, 
Oh, how did I? Well, first of all, I come from a big family, right? There's four boys, and mm-hmm. um, it's probably got something to do with my upbringing. You know, my parents came. Yeah, you know, I'm Australian, and when they moved from uh, Turkey to Australia, uh, yeah, they literally didn't have any money in their pocket, right, other than a couple of suitcases. And mm-hmm. I remember them always working two or three jobs in a day. Um, so yeah, I guess it rubs off on you. You get a certain sense of. Um, it can't all be too bad, <laughs> um, when, as it, yeah. And so you have you have a different baseline, I guess. You know, um, when it comes to being positive, um, so you, you take everything as a gift, right? You, you take, right. you know, you you take uh, that small present that you get for your birthday as a, a godsend. You know, yeah, you, you know, the food on the table as a gift. Um, so. so that calibration, I guess, is there from childhood. Um, and then I've always found that, um, yeah, you, every day is a day to waste, you know, so why would you live it being grumpy and and um, upset? Like I, I, we all have our tough days, right, but I definitely don't, um, I don't carry it with me, let's put it that way. Yeah, I think you. you that you, is you, so good. You know, your dad. Was it your dad who, or you, you said earlier? You know, you just start the next day clean. Um, yeah, and and I don't. Yeah, I don't know that he even practiced that, but he did preach that. And I would say that I preach <laughs> it, but I, I don't know. I see you doing that, and I I really feel it when I'm around you, which makes people oh, want to be around you. And I think that that's something that you know. I wish I wasn't so cynical, like about certain things. And I've, you know, I've seen so much. And so I'm kind of like, you know, I love that positivity. And I just love that idea that you you don't have a day to waste. There's no, I mean, gosh, look what's happened last year to all of us. So, yeah. yeah. So I just want you to know, I appreciate that about you. No, thank you. No, thank you, you, Laurie. Thank you. And, and look, um, I think um, I also get a lot of energy from people too. Like that's probably the, the other thing I would say. I, I like um, hanging around people who um, are interesting and have great energy themselves and it kind of becomes self-propelling, right? So, um, right. Yeah, but no, uh, it's great. It's a great question. But look, uh, Laurie, we're out of time. Like we could talk for hours, couldn't we? I know. And uh, I will say, yeah, you're <laughs> killing me smalls from the Sandlot. That was the answer. <laughs> You're killing oh, me, Smalls. <laughs> Thank you. you and that just shows you just my personality. Oh, you're killing me, Jesus. <laughs> well, well th- thank you, Laurie. I'm, I'm, yeah, we, we all wish you the best of uh, luck as you as you uh, continue with the Pennington Foundation and whatever else come, comes your way. Um, it sounds like you've got some exciting endeavours coming up. And, and um, yeah, really appreciate the insights that you've shared with us. Uh, I think people will um, find it quite rewarding. Well, thank you, Oz. I hope we connect soon and um, get to work together again. Yeah. Thanks, Laurie. Have a great okay. day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, there you have it, folks. That was Laurie Bertman, the CEO of the Pennington Family Foundation. Laurie, thank you for sharing your story and wishing you the happiest of birthdays. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you can join our next session. In the meantime, have a lovely week.